Welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, where each of us brings forth five topics to discuss. This is Mark, along with John and Pete, and joining us today is our special guest, Mr. Oak James Miller. Welcome to the podcast, Oak. Thank you. Pleasure. I like the full name. That was brilliant. That Oak was very James. professional. That was very that was professional, good, Mark. Yeah. I like that. Mr. Oak James. Uh, how has everyone been? John, let's start with you. I've been good. I had a physical today. I felt old. I got a new no phone. More, no more it COVID, was, right? It, yeah, no, no more COVID. So I can breathe again. So that's good. Um, it's new phone day. Everybody loves new phone day. So I got a new Love phone day. Everybody loves new phone day. Everybody loves new phone day. My phone is beautiful. And, Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm just... I, uh, I started uh, a CBD gummy um, habit today to try to help my anxiety. <laughs> so we'll see how nice. that goes. That has so been get, working so far. I mean, I hi, John, great. for I the show. I felt great today, so. Nice. I just got to turn on a fan because we're live. All right, you oh. do that, Pete. Well, I was going to ask Pete how you were doing, but if you need to turn on a fan. <laughs> Too hot. I'm eating really hot, delicious soup, and it's like, yes. Whew. Before we started, Pete was eating a uh, cream of wasn't just drinking potato balls. Soup. <laughs> cream of potato balls. <laughs> With bacon and mushroom. Actually, shiitake mushrooms in there. A lot of good stuff. All right, well, how, how, are you, doing, how are you doing, Pete? Yeah, exactly. And, and catch us up on Baby Watch 2023. Okay. 2023 well, reporting <laughs> latest news we just had our second ultrasound appointment yes it went well the baby except the baby was of course not cooperating as the first time we did it the baby was like anytime they would center to get a picture the baby would jump to a different location and they're like ah oh, so then this time the baby decided to crawl into a ball every time they were trying to get a picture and then <laughs> at the last second when she was looking straight from the front the baby very much confirmed that it's a boy <laughs> wow and the tech was like oh congratulations Pete. congratulations <laughs> that's awesome so that was that's that was our morning <laughs> sorry right. steph if that wasn't supposed to be public knowledge <laughs> well, now the world knows i thought so. it was hilarious well yeah wait wait you did your your gender reveal too on the insta we so did oh yeah yeah actually yeah i think we did well if All not right. then there it is. <laughs> let's we'll get cut to know post pete it's fine let's, let's get to know our friend oak shall we you want to start us off pete Sure. So um, we go back, the, a lot of us here, all the way to the start of college in the 20th century. A long oh, time God. ago. <laughs> Do it so, in a movie voice. Yeah. In a world before cell phones. So anyway, I wanted to uh, recall a, a fun story. So early on in freshman year, when I was competitive in cross country and track, uh, Oak, I made you run a couple 400 meter intervals on the track with me. And uh, I was hitting them pretty hard then. And you did your best. After a few of those, I seem to recall you having to be carried on our friend Alan's shoulder back to the dorm like a sack of potatoes. Fast forward, though, you know, a few as in 20 years later, and now you are an incredible super distance runner. Uh, doing these insane off-road races, trails, and even ultra marathons. What inspired you to start running like that? And what do you love so much about it that continues to drive you to commit so many hours and miles into the sport? Yeah, it's funny that you say hours because, yeah, it's definitely hours. hours. Oh, I've seen um, your Strava uh, workout times. It's it's a lot of time, <laughs> like a lot yeah. of time commitment. Uh, so college was fun. There's a lot of snacks. There, there might have been some beer. <laughs> um, that continued. An equivalent once. amount of booze. Mm. Yes. 
So that behavior continued, and uh, apparently the metabolism did not. So uh, Mm -hmm. at some point, uh, i.e. not long after my son was born, I kind of got the idea of uh, maybe I need to do something. But before that, IBM, uh, where my wife worked at the time, started some of those uh, fitness incentives. Mm -hmm. So they were giving like Fitbits to everybody. Okay. And being like data centric, it was like, ooh, how many steps? So eventually I I got a Fitbit and it was like very much like, oh, like how many steps can I get in a day? Like how exciting, you know, is it for me and what other metrics and stuff? Walking slowly became running because I was like, hey, I can go the same distance just a little faster and then it's done. And then I stupidly decided to start going further and further, and that kind of negated that whole concept. <laughs> never stopped. <laughs> I had a, a colleague that ran... So where I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, I'm very close to Umstead State Park. And there's actually mm. a rather old 100-mile uh, race that takes part in Umstead. And okay. I witnessed a colleague running Umstead 100... And seeing like how drained he was and just like how done he was like at the end, it was fascinating to me. But the other thing that was mm-hmm. interesting before the race, we were kind of at lunch, like uh, there was like four or five of us at lunch friends and somebody else mentioned like, hey, this guy like runs over mountains and stuff. And that was kind of the moment where I learned that you can things besides just hiking on trails and that you can actually Mm. run on the trails and it was like a legit uh light bulb you know like light switch moment where it was like oh you can do that like it just didn't it never appeared you know to me that you could do that and i like the outdoors so it just kind of continued to gain traction yeah that's amazing and i'm sure that's i mean it's probably way more intense doing it there where like i i've run not too far, but like when Stephanie will hike, you know, I've run in those trails and it, it's intense. Like every step you got to watch where you're going. You got to like watch for routes. Like it's, it feels like a video game almost. Yeah. Depending, depending on the terrain, um, it can be a lot of heads down, uh, yeah. in my mm. situation, you know, like mm. making oh, yeah. sure you're, you're <laughs> stepping now. It's not like looking immediately down, but looking like 10, 10 to 20 feet ahead of you to, for obstacles and what you're right. going to um, do. But the more you do it, the more your brain kind of gets used to that processing and it can just kind of do it more automatically. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. So what's, what's some of the longer races you did? I, I know there was that one uh, New York City one that was incredible. Talk I was about, about to bring that, that up. You're bringing up through the bar, uh, yeah. your, your tour through the boroughs yeah. overnight. Yeah. So uh, that is the Great New York uh, Running Exposition. So that's actually kind of like a gorilla race where they <laughs> they mark and spray paint like some of the sidewalks and roads and stuff with like little yellow arrows so you know where to turn but ahead of time you actually get like essentially four pages of instructions on like what the turns are okay um, and hopefully you don't screw up there are places <laughs> yeah. that, like the the arrows are like because they're uh, kind of gorilla done a are not very prolific so mm. there'll be like three mile stretch where it's just like a straightaway they're like well we don't have to give another arrow like you're already <laughs> going straight like good to go 
Right. But you're Does anybody ever troll you and change the, the arrows or like try to erase them or cover them? Those, no, just because folks don't know what they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that no Wiley no Coyote like turning and spinning the, the arrow. Do you sleep during these real long ones? Most of them, no. Um, yeah. Wow. yeah. Most of them, when they're like 100 miles or less, uh, you're not sleeping during them. Uh, sometimes you will. You know, like sometimes you kind of need like a reboot. Most of the time, no. Sometimes I'll beg for a trail nap and then you can't get one. Oh, I've no. laid in like poison ivy just because I'm like, I need to lay down for a minute. And my buddy's like, Jeez. fine, you get five minutes. Huh. Uh, <laughs> any like, interest nah. in doing the, the seven continent race? Oh, where you do a marathon in each continent? When you do a marathon in each continent. Huh. I love the concept. It's just outside of my pocketbook. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It, so they normally do like a, they uh, do a private jet and all mm-hmm. the participants ride in the jet. You start normally in Antarctica because that's like the hardest one to actually get good conditions for. And you begin flying um, the easier places. It sounds okay. amazing. So like, yeah. if somebody was like, Oak, you should do this. I'll pay. <laughs> I'd be like, oh yeah, man. So we got to get you some sponsorships for this race. <laughs> yeah. This is what I'm hearing. So anybody who's listening who has a ton of money and wants to sponsor Oak, just tell us. And um, yep. I mean, we'll put it on his shirt, on his back. You can get a tattoo if you want. <laughs> Uncle Steve, who owns a Mets, right? He's, he's an avid listener. All right. So going on to another great Oak story. Now, Oak, you had a destination wedding with your wife, Carrie, in the Bahamas. And this was just a fantastic trip that I still talk to about to this very day. Uh, what are your, some of your favorite memories from this trip? And when are we going to go cruising again? Oh, man. Uh, cruising <laughs> excellent idea I, I totally like the idea of continuing that so right before the pandemic we were planning to try to do one because stone was finally like around the age where it would work and then the mm-hmm. pandemic occurred mm-hmm. did one last summer and it worked well like he enjoyed it and like we still had fun so yeah we're game for that the funniest moment has to be like Carrie starting the procession and then like having to pause <laughs> so you and Jeff can like run down the myriad of stairs down to the beach. People okay, like, point, point of order. I was already on the beach at that time. Of course, I was in a bright red Bacardi polo shirt, but that's not a story. <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't I hear you recall one time where like you and Jeff and like looked at each other like, oh, I think this is starting. <laughs> you guys are like half a mile away. No. <laughs> okay. This all right, all right, all right. The backstory. This, so oh, weren't you at a Bacardi tasting we were or something? At, there was a, there was a Bacardi, Yes, there was a Bacardi <laughs> rum factory on the other side of the island, and you know, if everything worked fine, we would have made it back in time. Mm. But uh, we went on the tour, tried 157 proof rum. So you were definitely mm. sober. Hmm. Definitely sober, and we had a couple cocktails after after the tour too. We got in this taxi. If the taxi left on time, it would have been fine. But the taxi decided to hear, or the taxi driver apparently had a flat tire. Nice. Uh, and then it was fun to just figure out a way to get on the other side of the island, of which it happened to be that uh, we ha- we got on this bus and the bus wasn't going exactly where we were going. So we had to get off the bus and we just started running <laughs> towards the dock. Yes, um, made it happen. It, yeah, they we, got there. Uh, we made it to the wedding, technically. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a movie. I got to the bus just when everyone else did, but unfortunately I was, so we were, yeah, we were about a half mile away from the dock, give or take. Uh, but I, I, Jeff left me for dead because I, I fell back. Um, <laughs> Before you I were made, running. 
before I was running. Oh, the, right, the, yeah. This entire time was like, I think I just missed this wedding. So I just was like, you know, eoring back to the, the dock thinking, <laughs> oh, oh my. But I happened <laughs> to get to the bus. Everyone's dressed to the nines. I'm in this in a sweaty ass T-shirt and and cargo shorts. But I happen to have this bright red polo Bacardi shirt that I just bought. <laughs> So I threw it on and I jumped up on the bus with everyone. And then everyone's asking me, it's like, weren't you with Jeffum? It's like, yeah. It's like, where is he? It's like, I don't know. I was like, I I think he lives in the Caribbean now. (laughs) Oh my God. Imagine Jeffum with a big scruffy hair and like playing a guitar on the beach. Yeah. It's amazing. Jeffum, do that, you know, in your time. But Jeffum, yeah, when he he f- happened to find the same cab driver that took uh, Carrie to uh, to to the to the ceremony, the cab driver kept because he was he was dressed in a tux and was like, like I got a groom in my back seat, and he was just honking his horn, not following any of the rules of the road. He <laughs> gets there, and yeah, Carrie's about to walk down the stairs onto the beach, and f- out comes flying is Jeffum, <laughs> and I think Carrie even like like was was right, well, about to walk by, and she looked over, it's like. Jeffum? <laughs> yeah, and it was something like, sorry, Carrie, sorry. Yeah, yeah. As he's running. <laughs> oh, that tracks. So many good That's stories. Amazing. Yeah. So many good stories. The last thing from our past I wanted to talk about, there's a Northeast food tradition that Oak's obsessed with that I thought warranted some time on the show. Uh, the exciting world of mini hot dogs was uh, first shown to me at a place called Gus's Hot Dogs in Troy, New York, in Waterville. Uh, but there the are place. many different kinds in the area, and I've seen them as far east as mid to central Mass. Oh, can you explain a mini hot dog? Why it's so great, and how many different ones you've tried at this point? Oh man, they're mystical. I have <laughs> downstairs in our kitchen. There's like a a pop artist that Carrie really likes. We have two pictures of hot dogs: the Chicago hot dog, the Troy mini hot dogs, are like the two artist renderings that we have. Amazing. So the mini hot dogs are just incredible. And you also have to remember that they make the mini buns with them. Mm -hmm. So it's not like Mm. you're getting like a mini hot dog or trying to stuff too many hot dogs in like a regular full size bun. You get a cute little bun with it. Incredible. That's awesome. And and how many do you order at a time? Because there's a lot of people probably don't know about this. Oh, I, I would say that I eat a little bit more than most. I, I guess a regular person might eat like six, but I feel like 10 mini hot dogs is probably like a good start. And how do you order them? Oh, mustard yeah, and they're chili. Not, yeah, exactly. They're, they're mm-hmm. not just ordinary hot dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so you can get them with the works. You can get them with piled with stuff and the chili is the best. So you get them with mustard and onions and chili all on top. And you kind of like eat them and try to get as much of the chili in, as you can. And the rest just falls. It's, it's an experience experience so they're so glorious it, it's one of those it's also hard to haven't been able to really reproduce the the sauce real well at mm. home yeah um, but okay. hot dog charlie's you can get jars of it so anytime That's i visit true. i normally come back with a jar or two yeah, hot dog charlie's is a big is that an actual mini hot dog chain in the area and then there's one in mass that i don't remember there was years ago probably like so 10 years ago there was somebody from the region that ran a hot dog truck in Myrtle Beach, and they would order Ooh. mini hot dogs. I can't remember who they came from, but they'd get buns and hot dogs shipped down, and you could get them like Myrtle Beach. They were good. Mm. I could go for a hot dog right now. 
I love hot yeah, dog now I'm, now I'm hungry it's, and I just ate a bunch of soup. It's it, it's <laughs> such a hole and you eat eight mini hot dogs and then everything's better. Absolutely. I've gotten them in a tux. I've got them in jeans. Mm-hmm. You know, like it. always <laughs> up for hot dog Charlie's or Gus's. Or Gus's. Yeah. When was the last time you were at Gus's? Do you remember? Uh, the second to last time I was up because I had to take I'm, the family there. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Gus is still open. I remember the first time at Gus's, I'm like, Oak's like, look at the grill. I'm like, I don't want to. He's like, do it. I'm like, okay. Uh, Gus is not a sponsor. But you could be. But Local you could podcast, be. Looking for sponsors. Yeah. Are we ready to get going, everyone? Hell yeah. Yeah. So, baseball is all about numbers. There are some that are more significant than others. One of the hardest numbers in the sport is a batting average of 400. That means getting a hit in two out of every five at-bats. Doesn't sound so hard, right? Except that it hasn't been done since 1941 when Ted Williams hit 406. The closest anyone has ever gotten was Tony Gwynn in the strike-shortened season in 1994. So everyone, is it too soon to start talking about Luis Arias batting 400? And if not, do we think he can actually do it? And I guess I should have mentioned this. Luis Arias is a, uh, a batter for the Miami Marlins right now, and he is teetering around 400 right now. 396. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Marlins are very bad, though, Mark. They're not very bad. I mean, they're pretty bad. <laughs> well, how many they're games okay. in are we right now with the season? It's about halfway, halfway through the season. Okay, so yeah, I was going to say, like, we're July. still in early mm-hmm. summer. Like, we got a ways to go. Is he trending better as the season goes on or worse, or has it been pretty even? He's been teetering around the 400 number now for a couple months. Well, the really interesting part mm. about this stat for um, anybody who doesn't know is that he is literally um, 0.06 of a percentage point above the next guy. So he's at 392 and Ronald uh, Kuna on, the, uh, on Atlanta is 331, mm. um, which is a lot, yeah. really, when you think it's about a lot. it. It's a lot. Yeah, 0.06. Yeah, I think he's at 0.06. Holy yeah. shit. Well, yes. Yeah, so in, in baseball terms, that's 60 points. But yeah, no, John, John's still right. Yeah, yeah, talking in terms of, of numbers. I got right, you. Well, because you, uh, never, you. you never hit every time, right? Mm-hmm. So no. a third is good. More than a third is very good. So in- Interesting thought, too. So Ted Williams in 1941, he, he, while he finished a 406, the last day of that season, he had a doubleheader, and he was actually batting below 400. Mm. So I believe I I don't specifically remember how many hits he got in the, and it was a doubleheader at the last day of the season like uh, I don't know if I said that um, yes. but he got he got enough hits to finish the season at four oh six man because he's that good of a ball player oh he has one hundred and fourteen <laughs> hits already yeah Arias that's crazy uh, th- now this is obviously a career year for him so far the highest mm-hmm. that he's gone uh, before was actually uh, his fir- very first year he batted three thirty four. Uh, and last year he batted 316, but now with the whole changing with uh, like no defensive shifts anymore and the pitch mm-hmm. clock and like th- this, this must be helping him, right, John? I mean, I think so. I think that it is a batter's year. Um, I think that it is a scoring year and a runner's Runs year. And I mean, I think that we're going to see these things kind of throughout. Um, Stone bases are up, runs are up, home runs are high. I mean, like Otani has what, 29 home runs? Something uh, like that. Something like that. I, think I feel like we're going to actually like, probably note that the pitch clock is something like the super shoes in the marathon, where it's kind of like a, a large shift. Mm. Yeah. It is functional. That, um, yeah. They, and we've been talking about it on the show, but they also they um, limited the number of times you can throw to first base now. Um, so that's why steals are up. They're trying to make baseball go faster and be more exciting. That's, I think, the bottom line. And I think it is. 
I think they did a good job. I know a lot of people who are watching more baseball this year because it goes faster and is more exciting. So mm-hmm. you know, when you have a player right. too approaching that milestone, which is that is this would this be the first time that's happened since the forties since since nineteen forty one? Wow. So I'm glad you mentioned that now. So he, there okay. here's uh, the last. Let's see the 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 six highest I have. So so Tony Gwynn, as I mentioned, in nineteen ninety four was th- finished at three ninety four. George Brett in 1980 finished at 380. Or I'm sorry, 390. Okay. These are, by the way, these are all Hall of Fame baseball players. Oh, I, uh, I Ted Williams it. had an, actually another battle with it uh, in 1957. He finished at 388. Rod Carew finished at 388 in 1977. And as early as 1999, Larry Walker finished at 379. John, you remember Larry Walker, right? For the Rockies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked Larry Walker. Right. Actually, I liked so, the Rockies that year too. How good would it be for the sport if like, this guy would be amazing really, really close and down the home stretch of the season. Like you'd get so many more viewers. Batting average is really not that exciting. Just to see if you do it. Well, it this it one still, really lend to this it. This one is, but it's like this, one of those again, big milestone things. It so. has, yeah. This hasn't happened in all, in over eighty years. Kuhn is also so, a great leadoff batter, which I think, and he's fast, which I think is helping. Hey, it's all part of it, right? I mean, yes, but also you're never, you're not. So his job in the lineup is to get on base so he can score. And yeah. so he's not an RBI leader. He's not even close to RBIs. And he's not on a very and good he's team. Not, he's not on a very good team. He's not a run leader. Um, the Marlins probably won't make the playoffs. I mean, it's just like, it but is this exciting. would be a story. This but would it, be yeah, a story. Sure. sure. But it would be better if he was a Yankee or a <sighs> of, course, of course you would say that. Or a Red Sox or an Astro or someone who somebody cared about. But mm. no one watches baseball in Miami. That's a hot oh, take, I, by the way. It, it would become that one. I think it there would become it a nationwide story, though, if he were to actually come close to 400. Like it would get national broadcast. They they might be facing the the you know the Oakland Athletics, but they mm. if, if he was go, if he could potentially get 400, it, it would become a huge talk within. I don't think the, he's gonna make it. Nation. 81 games left, and he's a Marlin. Do you think he's gonna do it? No. <laughs> no. I'm Pete John, yes. uh, Peter Oak. Do you guys have an opinion on whether or not he could do it? It's a long time done, to keep it going. Hasn't been done 80 years. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of games. It's a yeah. lot of games. Yep. And I mean, people just aren't going to pitch to him. I'm going to believe. Why do, they have to, why do they have to pitch to him? They don't. Because they have to for history. They don't. They don't care. <laughs> hey, baby. Do you want a next topic? I thought that because Oak is such a runner, we'd have a running question. And so um, NCAA 5,000 uh, 5, meter champion Park of Valby. Um, of uh, the Florida Gators signed a historic name image likeness deal this week with Nike. Uh, Valby will be the first female track and field star to be sponsored by a major brand. Uh, she stated that she is excited to be able to make an income while still being able to represent her school and participate in college athletics. Uh, reports say that her deal could be worth anywhere from fifty dollars to $150,000. And so uh, what does Valby's deal say for name image likenesses future in college sports uh, with time commitment being so high as well as them still being students is the ability to focus on athletics going to bring better, more successful athletes across the NCAA? So potentially, right? Because there's all these athletes that probably won't make a lot of money in the pros, but they have an opportunity to make a lot of money in college, especially with name, image and likeness. If you have a following like we've seen with some other uh, college athletes then people will put money uh, uh, in, in you. Now, you said fifty to one hundred fifty thousand. Uh, that's what is being reported as. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so unfortunately, that's not nothing compared to you know uh, football and right. and basketball. 
Uh, but it's still she's a star. Just a track star. Like, and and because I don't know, um, Oak and uh, Pete, how much do um mid-range Olympic athletes make? Right. I mean, the goal probably well, would be to run. There's competitively. a world. There's a global professional track and field circuit. Like, they're how much do they make? They're career athletes in that area. The the other part, like the other thing to think about here is, five uh, K is kind of like a stepping stone or pro athletes you don't right. you do okay there there is a level uh compensation for uh sprinters and mid-distance folks but the big money really comes into the distance runners and that's essentially the 5k and up um, right folks. so this Three, is far, up too, this but, is far yeah. but not really terribly far yeah so they, they still they still call this long distance running okay um, but it's i agree with oak though it's it's the longest race that still has that kind of some elements of that mid distance strategy to it, where like you have to think about kicking, you have to think about um, really pushing hard and not like more bursts instead of just pace. Just a perspective for the listeners. How many laps is that on a, uh, on a college track? Just oh God. estimate. It's uh, 12, uh, 12, 12, yeah. 12. Yeah. 12. Oh yeah. yeah 400. Yeah. The deal is where the thrust I was going was uh, if you go pro or you you're performing at the high elite practice of 5k, it's the beginning of your career. So you'll start in 5k as you begin to peter out your competitiveness, you'll work into 10k half marathon and eventually marathon that, that progression could be, you know, 10 to 15 years, depending on uh, how well you do in the lower distances. I didn't so, realize it could take that long. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot, like if they're really good at, uh, the five K and they stay at they, that distance. Yeah. 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 They try to keep that domination because it's between the five and 10 K. It's like a huge jump. It's um, a huge difference. It's, it's like a, a difference in strategy, like how mm. the, the whole run goes. 10 K to half marathon is fairly similar, even though you're mm. again, doubling the distance. And then between the half and the marathon, it, from the elite perspective, it's it's a pretty big jump. It's a world, yeah. Going 15 miles is something most people can do without, okay, someone in good shape already could do without too much preparation and training. There's kind of a wall beyond that where you really have to prepare to go past that. And, you know, mm. that's right at, that's just past that half marathon marker. So to go beyond that is like a whole other world. At least it seems that way. I, uh, to me, that's more conjecture. Okay. Um, to do it, to do it well, it's a whole lot more training. Can you make okay. it past there? Yeah. Um, do the competitive women run as far? Same distances. Yeah. 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 It, cool. So once we get to the set differences, distances, there's no difference like in cross country where they're like, "Hey, ladies, you're gonna do 4k instead of 5k, <laughs> 6k instead of 8k," kind of deal. Yeah, it's of it's all the same distance. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I just don't know. I thought it was an interesting question though, and 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 what I really liked about the idea of it is a, it's a sealess sport, right? And so Nike is a investing in a woman in uh, the NCAA college scene and and a track and field athlete, which I think is awesome. And like That's really cool. kind of opens up the possibilities for name image, image likeness because like to be a a student in the University of Florida, hard, right? 
And to be a professional athlete as well, I mean, you don't have time to work. And so to take that really seriously, you almost need to get paid. So the fact that they can get paid now, I think is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, the thing I kind of worry about, like, I, I think it's overall like a great thing. I just wonder about how much of the composition compensation ends up getting tied to stuff like having Instagram followers. Stuff. And it does. It does. And, and having like a big social media. We talk about the Cavender yeah. twins a lot who are one of them is a good basketball player. One of them is a bad basketball player, but they're both <laughs> very Internet famous. Right. And they both made the team because they're like a package. Right. They're the Cavender twins. That's their social media. Um, the other thing I think that is concerning is that teams can now NCAA teams can now be good if they're bigger colleges and they have more money. Oh, period. yeah. Um, what's cool about this deal, too, is that it's one of the first brands that have signed on to name image likeness. A lot of the name image likeness deals come from backer groups, uh, mm -hmm. especially the football ones. And I, I applaud Nike for doing something like this. And, and, you know, from a business perspective, too, 50 or to $150,000 is really not that much of an investment in something. And they're taking a chance on this. And it could potentially be very good for them. I think so, too. Uh, yeah. Uh, I so I, I applaud Nike for doing something like that, and I, I really hope I really hope it, it it blows up and and um it does does some good. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep that next topic rolling. So the men's college World Series just ended with LSU winning its seventh national title. But my eyes were drawn to University of Florida player Jack. Uh oh, Caglianone. Oh, that's an Italian last oh, name. You I think I screwed up. Italian card. Mm. Uh, he finished the year hitting 326 with 33 home runs, but also pitched with a 368 ERA and held opposing hitters to a 186 average. He was also named the Division I National Player of the Year. Now, Caglianone is drawing obvious comparisons to the MVP favorite Shohei Otani, and baseball is always looking for the next big thing. So, everyone, is Shohei Otani going to be the new archetype for today's MLB player? More and more two-way players are popping up. I mean, I think that it is a similar conversation to the running quarterback that we keep talking about. Very similar. Right? Yeah, and it's one of those X factors that's like a, suddenly it's a must have. Right. It's a gimmick until it's not. And then if everyone can hit and pitch, then you have to hit and pitch. Mm -hmm. Right? And they're all strong. They all know how baseball works. I mean, pitching is essentially um, core strength. They're all, they all have a ton of core strength. I mean, so theoretically, they all could pitch, right? Is they just have to practice. And so I think especially college athletes have a one-up on this because they have to sometimes do things because the teams are smaller. True, but by the time you get to college, if you're a pitcher, you are a pitcher. You don't have to hit anymore. Like, college teams have a DH, and they've, they've always had a DH. Uh, but there are more and more that are doing both. And that does save I a mean, roster spot if you do that. Yeah, if you can do it, why not? Develop, then well, that is tight. actually really an interesting question. Shohei Otani only takes one roster spot, right? So mm -hmm. he can, and and he does cover two sets of positions when he's not mm -hmm. pitching, he hits, and so it is an efficient way to play baseball. <laughs> if everybody can Iron Man baseball, then you need a lot less players and you can have a lot more, right? But there haven't been many re like really quality two way players in a long, yeah. long time. Like, really, yeah. really, really, the last one that would did it. Babe Ruth, back huh. in back in the nineteen early early twentieth century, like nineteen eighteen. Back there in the nineteen early nineteen twenties. It's been it's been like a hundred years. Pete, I love oh. your I love your old timey voice. Do it again. Yes, there was a time then when baseball players could do both hitting and pitching. See. <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but even Babe Ruth, even, even Babe Ruth stopped doing two-way after a while, and he just became mm-hmm. a hitter. Yeah, so that, that that's what I was going to say. Like, just because this guy's having success at the college level, like, means nothing for continuing to be Absolutely. a two-way player. Right. And we're talking MLB. And and just like just like you said, the running quarterback, they have a shelf life, right? Mm-hmm. How many running quarterbacks have ha- had long careers? I, and I mean, the, exactly. Randall Cunningham. I but, think he played like 10 years. Yeah. I see what you mean, though. Yeah, like, that's one. If, right, I know. Yeah. If he makes it to the MLB and does this, it opens a huge floodgate. You're going to suddenly, every kid growing up to play baseball is going to try to become a two-way player because it's going to well, be there's cool a lot of high thing. schoolers that are doing it now too like well, yeah. well now i mean you'll see to, it to be more, fair to be fair that's been going on for a little while okay caglianone I mean, by the way mark caglianone thank you so I, mean, I was doing it right in rehearsing right i mean like <laughs> the vast majority of those will not continue all the way even to college you know at, i mean even the vast majority of college off, players but, don't make the mlb right so um, yeah, it's no, really that's a good point honestly yeah, it makes it less exciting until this until he can actually prove it in the pros. Yeah, even the really really talented ones um struggle. They just do. The the next best uh two-way player is probably Anthony Ghost who plays for the uh Guardians in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And um let me see if he he tossed 27 and 2 thirds of innings uh back in 2021. Oh, I'm sorry. Over the past couple of years, so he, but he had Tommy John surgery uh, late last year too. So mm. you're putting your body through. I mean, so pitching a, a a ball at like 99 miles an hour is not a natural motion either. So you're putting your body with so much strain, and then you're also trying to hit, smack a ball 400 feet. I mean, unless, unless your form's perfect. So we'll How see. Many right? People have perfect form. <laughs> can still. We'll see. Mariano yeah. Rivera did. People okay. are definitely going to start looking for more of these two-way players, all right? I Do we all kind of agree with that? Mm. I don't see yeah. why they would. Well, a completely yeah, I think reasonable, efficient keep... way to play baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good marketability. And, and Shohei Otani, well, now granted he's on a, a large market team in, in Los Angeles, but he's getting national buzz because of what he can do. Mm-hmm. For sure. Los Angeles is in Anaheim. You crazy man. Close enough. <laughs> Anaheim is like a media I grew up all of Southern California together for some reason. Yeah. Technically, they they are the Los Angeles. Wait, the Los Angeles Angels of of Anaheim is that what they're called? <laughs> no, they're just the Anaheim Angels. You monster! <laughs> Side note: He only has uh, two more home runs than Medelson, but he is leading the league in holes in home runs because you know Judge has been hurt for a month. Mm. Aw, sad, sad panda. panda. Next topic. And so I wanted to continue on um, the NCAA questions. Um, so Nick Saban praised Texas football after the Longhorns pushed Alabama to its limit limit last September. A month later, Texas remained on Saban's brain. Uh, he states the way Southern Cal, Texas, and Texas A and M are spending money. Alabama can't afford to spend like Texas. Almost no school can. Um, for perspective, um, Alabama probably the best NCAA football program in the country right now. Um, so how has the fiscal position of an NCAA athletic program become the main focus of whether or not a team is good? And is this what we can look forward to in the name, image, and likeness era? I mean, yeah. Some schools have now become, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox of college football, right? They're just, they're, they're spending lots and lots of money. Now, you still need to have a good coach and yeah. to go along with the good players. And Texas has 
while the uh, the coaching staff has always been able to get paid and Texas has given out a lot of money for their coaches in the past, they haven't really hit a home run with any of their coaches. Now, Nick Saban, to be fair, he's crying a lot with this whole name, image and likeness thing because, you know, he used to be the best recruiter in all of college football. Well, it's because his name was Nick Saban. Yeah, exactly. He, he, all he had to do was, my name is Nick Saban. I'll, I'll win yeah. you a championship and get you to the NFL. Right. But now, now kids are like, it, I just want money. Exactly. All, all these other people are just dangling money right in front of them. And I mean, what what like 18 year old is going to give that up? Right. Well, and, and, and the reason I asked the question second and the reason I'm thinking about it is why shouldn't they? Right. Um, Very on true. a limited career. That is that a true from fact. A l- <laughs> yes, it is. From a <laughs> limited talent base that you could get hurt literally any minute of any day. Make your nest egg. Be social media famous. Like become something while you're something. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like a catch-22, though, because college athletics aren't really supposed to be about who has no. the biggest biggest roster. No. You know, the no. hot, biggest, highest-paid roster. But it's gonna. It's gonna, because schools like Texas can just throw money, man. Mm. They just, like, literally just burn it. Southern Cal, Texas, all those big schools with um, big student bodies with, um, with big tuitions. They can just say whatever they want. Yeah, that's, that's a tough Oak. call. I was kind of going over it in my head, like, if they make millions of dollars even in the beginning, but then they're in a small school that doesn't do well, maybe they wouldn't get the recognition. But in this era, you have your scouting reach and capability is so much better that maybe it wouldn't even matter. So then it's like almost a no-brainer, just take the money. It's like, as long as you play, I mean, you still have to play well, but if you weren't playing well, what is the money going to matter? Because you wouldn't make it to the NFL either way. So, like, the money does matter. Go for the money. Like, I feel like this is going to help folks that are not the top tier. They're, like, mm-hmm. the near elite, you know, the near NFL, or they, they're, they're kind of, like, on that bubble where they can make an income that's, like, yeah. a known, known amount versus, you know, going to the show and then flaming out. So yeah, what, what you true. mentioning that just makes me think of Johnny Menzel. He was nicknamed uh, Johnny Football yeah, when Johnny, he was in college. Poor Johnny Football. Now, name, what image, and like this wasn't a thing when he was in college. But imagine if it was. What a he was a phenomenon. A he oh, was yeah. a phenomenon in college, and he again, his nickname was Johnny Football. Yeah, he would. Everyone made more thought money. he was going to do well. Yeah. But yeah, people would have paid him to to do oh, anything yeah. in college, and now was he? He can't even make a CFL team right now. No, he, he would have made <laughs> way more money in his four years in college than he would have in his rookie contract. Even even being drafted high, was he like fourteenth overall or something, or higher than that? Even um, I think he was fourteenth. Yeah, yeah. He was and he was drafted the by the Browns. By the Browns, that was his first downfall. He was drafted by the Browns. Yeah, sorry, Cleveland. Browns don't make great decisions. <laughs> What, what else? Like, uh, so think about all these other athletes that got busted for, you know, getting paid under the table or something like that. Like Reggie Bush. Oh, yeah. He had to give up his Heisman Trophy. He had an OK NFL still, career. Still a good player, I think. But Not he a had great to give player, up his Heisman player. Trophy. But now, now, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. Kids can make as much money as they want, right? Yeah. But now he's making a lot of money for Wendy's. I think he's got a Wendy's. Not <laughs> really. It's true. He also like got arrested and got into a big car accident. Yeah. and Got fired. I mean, like his life was bad for a while. So to wrap this around, in- and just to think about it, um, the Clemson mm-hmm. Tigers last year they spent um, three point one million dollars. The Clemson Tigers they finished uh, eight and zero in conference and eleven and three overall. 
Um, I don't remember their bowl finishes, but um, they literally outspent the next highest program, um, which was uh, the uh, North Carolina, uh, by, by almost $2 million. I mean, yeah, Damn. we're definitely going to see that, see a lot more of that. I mean, that the, the big thing back, especially in the southern, southeastern part of the country, was we're really good at college football. Uh, <laughs> but now, if you, yeah, schools like Texas and USC can just, well, we'll pay you money. It's going to outspend <laughs> everybody. Uh, them's the shakes. Since you guys are more focused towards like what you might see within ESPN and stuff, I'm kind of curious like what world records you guys actually see, like the running perspective. Because in the last two weeks, there was actually a new world record for like the two mile. Mm. Ooh. And the reason why I bring that up is the running perspective, like the running world right now is constantly talking about the Norwegian method and Mm-hmm. how that's going to impact running and explain the norwegian method to, to people yeah. please so my understanding of it and i have limited knowledge on it but let me back up and explain running real quick so okay so there's like easy running then there's slightly harder running then there's between the slightly harder running and the really hard running um, there's this beautiful threshold area and Norwegians have basically figured out that they're actually doing like lab tests, like on the fly to see how much, uh, okay. So so might've heard of like lactate. Yep. Um, basically as your metabolic process, uh, lactate is used actually for, uh, giving you energy, but there's a mm-hmm. finite amount in your body. Um, it's got to cycle through. If you generate it too fast, you essentially flame out. If you generate just below that amount, uh, your body can constantly cycle it fast enough and you can run really fast. So the Norwegian method is basically testing their folks and getting them right to that top part of that threshold, keeping it there and actually doing a lot of running um, right at that level. Mm. Um, so that they're not going over um, the lactate threshold, essentially. I hear it has a lot to do with your stride. Like I that's that's what I kind I of mean, learned about the Norwegian method. Like, because when I when I run or when I think of running, I think of a nice long stride. Um, I've been pounding pavement focus. for. <laughs> right is hundred percent. I think focus. you're right. I, I don't know. I mean, I've been pounding pavement for twelve years now, so. If um, you can look at some of the world record holders and they have like the gawkiest, oddest stride that it doesn't look normal, but those people are running like incredible world records. And then you'll see someone that has like the, the perfect stride and they'll get smoked by that person. Now, there are people that have like the perfect stride and do really well. Yes. But it's kind of like the, uh, the two way players where, yeah, there's some of those folks. It's not, it's not the rule necessarily. I did have to change. I had to change my stride last year because, uh, so I was tra- I was training for uh, a half marathon, and unfortunately, I've been I finally my my knees have caught up to me. I started having some issues with my right knee. Um, I saw a physical therapist about it, and he told me to uh, that my my stride was probably was uh, was hurting it. Um, he wanted to do like a whole analysis of my of my run, and he's probably right. I think I land a little bit r- harder on my right leg than I do my left leg, 
and that that's the knee that's that's not so good. So he actually he told me to take shorter strides to help with the with the knee. Uh, when it came to the point where I had to run the half marathon, even that started to hurt. So the only way I could get through it was I ran flat footed. That gets you through. It's gonna be rough. Oh, uh, it was it was a it was a hard thirteen point one miles. I was Oof. gonna say, didn't you say on the show that uh, you had to finish a race that way because you um. Well, um, no, I, I, I pretty much, uh, the half marathon I ran last year, I, I ran the whole thing flat footed and, mm. um, it was the most awkward thing I've ever done in my entire life <laughs> well, running wise, though. running wise. Uh, and I was a, I think I, I actually ran the first 12 miles and then I felt a twinge and I had to walk a little bit, but I did run most of it, but very awkward to, to just change your stride after you've been running a certain way for. 10 years, 10, 11 years. Biggest thing is a lot of people overstride mm-hmm. and it, it puts you in such a bad place. And the easiest way to think about overstriding is if you're running downhill. Yeah. People get excited. Oh, yeah, they're yeah, running yeah. real fast. Yeah. They're, they're doing turnover, but they're still like stretching out really far. And that's, right. that's, that's how I was taught to run downhill. Mm. It's fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun. You, you go really fast. That's for sure. It, you know, like a lot of that's why, like a lot of folks and Pete, you probably remember taking your shoes off and doing strides in the grass, just you oh, know, yeah. like barefoot. Yeah, it helps. Feels great. That helps you get biomechanically back to like what you're you're naturally at versus yeah. like a shoe offsetting you. Right. I always, I always actually felt my fastest in like a nice soft field that you can just go barefoot and just sprint and just. It's not, yeah, there's nothing better than that. Uh, kind of related to this. And like, what, what was the record for the two mile? Uh, I think it's 754. Holy shit. Yeah. So there, yeah, yeah, yeah. there is a recent um, video that I, I watched where they're talking about like literally human being thresholds for, for certain distances. And it, I, nah, I wish I remembered what it was. But basically, like, they use an equation based on a lot of things where like it's almost like an asymptotic uh, time that we will just keep getting closer and closer to, but no one can physically possibly ever break it unless like human beings are a foot and a half taller and, you know, just change their evolution, like evolutionary structure over time. Yes. Can I go with one more topic? I think it was a three, four mile was the the hard limit. There is no next topic. Only soul. I'd love to hear your feelings on this concept of this enhanced Olympics they're beginning to tout what is uh, what, yeah, yeah so I, what i'm not aware of enhanced olympic explain what that oh means. so is that when everyone's hey guys, on drugs <laughs> go pod up and let's see what the hell we can do <laughs> so like one of the youtube videos i saw was basically like they didn't show who it was but it was i can beat usain bolt i'm also drugged out the gills oh <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, one of the things I heard was, so what's the difference between that and the Olympics? I mean, is that just steroids or is that other things? Uh, yeah. Is there a steroid limit? No, 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 like, like doping. Yeah. <laughs> so Dope, doping so is weed is considered one. technically a PED. Yes. Oh. There, were, there was a, uh, a track and field uh, athlete for the US oh, yeah. team that was got... That, didn't they so, take Sean White's uh, gold medal away a bunch of years ago in the Winter Olympics? And he was like... I think they did, yeah. Listen, I'm was always it, high. Yeah, I figured was that Sheree Richardson or was that another? It was a, a really good female track star that oh, I can't uh, remember couldn't what her name was now, but she was suspended yeah, it, in the. She, it, she, like it, it was a family member it just died or something like that. 
Yeah. Like that was one reason why she did it to, right, to, to help cope her get over it. that. Yeah. On and the it other wasn't side, even that we much. had Houlihan who uh, was trying to say that like it was from a pork burrito that she was getting like the the extra testosterone. Um, so yeah, you, you just never know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept, right? It's, it's, let's put all the cheaters together and see, see what can happen. I mean, but that's kind of like, oh, we have zero disregard for human life. Cause if you're, we're going <laughs> to give them all drugs, right? <laughs> At that point, then it's going to be like, oh, okay, well, these guys are all drugs. So what can I do to one up this? I have robot legs now. It's like, where does it I, stop? I, I remember um, when I worked at the liquor store, there was a comic. I forget what the comic was, but it was a it was about like this guy who was like a now a sportscaster and uh, that he used to be an athlete. And they were they were poking fun at baseball. It's like, what if everyone was on steroids? And they, they said like, oh, yeah, he broke the record of uh, 170 home runs in one month today. <laughs> I want a um, body armor steroids man, uh, mandatory football league. Oh, yeah. With mm. spikes on the shoulder pads. With spikes on the shoulder pads. <laughs> right. <laughs> it seems legit, right? Yeah. Actually, I, they, I they would all just look like the, the Fox News or the Fox NFL uh, robot that's in all the advertisements for the football games. Do you have a name? I don't know Fox football Fox robot, robot guy. guy. Yeah, Fox. No, like the I. Oh, I was watching. I don't know. I remember watching the NFL on Fox, and they get, had a, a name for the, the robot. If anyone knows what the name of the the Fox <laughs> robot is, we'd love to hear that. Also, yes. should we be playing Blurns Ball in real life? Yes or no? Blurns. Oh, Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the human race is ready for that. Yet. And I'm very excited for Futurama to come back in one month on. Hulu. Yeah. What uh, what platform is it going to be on? It's going to be on Hulu. Who's buying all the best animated stuff because Ooh. people really watched Animaniacs. Letus. <laughs> Letus <laughs> is the name of the robot. Letus. Thank you, Cletus. Yes, um, Cletus. Amazing. Come on, Cletus, the Fox. football robot. <laughs> Get better at naming stuff. God. <laughs> naming stuff. That's incredible. Yeah. You should get that name and stuff job at Fox. I think it might be easy. Hello. My name is the next topic. You killed my father. Prepare to die. So if you have type 2 diabetes, then you may be familiar with the drug. Oh, my God. Semaglutide. Semaglutide, which is Say the it again, active... Mark. Oh, my God. Again, I, I rehearse these and then I read them out loud and I, get, I can't. Semaglutide, which is the active... Better. I don't know. That's right. Which is the active ingredient in Ozempic. However, this has made headlines recently because the manufacturer Novo Nords, Nordisk is trying to turn this into a pill and get fully approved for weight loss by the FDA as early as this year. Now, if they do get approval, this wouldn't be the first time a pharmaceutical company stumbled upon a gold mine as Pfizer originally tried Viagra to treat hypertension and angina pectoris, which is a cardiovascular disease. So, everyone, what are our I thoughts? See your angina. What are our thoughts on using Ozempic for weight loss and becoming a pill? Big Pharma is always trying to make a bunch of money on stuff that they, mm -hmm. they stumble into. I think the problem with a lot of stuff like that is they don't think about the human response first. They think about the money first. I mean, a weight loss pill that well, works. Well, this, this has gone through trials, and it's in phase three right now, of which it's, it's, it's the end of phase three as well. So this isn't something that they, they just like, oh, well, it has a side effect. Oh, well, let's put it to market for that. They actually have gone through trials. Listen. Sometimes it's okay to shit your pants. And I guess if you lose weight, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. 
I, I know think everybody's going to be like jumping on this. Everybody likes to oh, do absolutely. It the, the next die fad, right? The of next die fad that goes into what I was thinking too. It's like you you have to have this with the caveat that it's like your number of pounds that you weigh is not a direct indicator of how healthy you are. And I feel like way too many people equate those two things way too literally. So that was actually a good one to bring up, Pete, because it was mm. just this month that the AMA just came up with uh, talking about removing BMI as mm. uh, a health indicator, I believe. Really? Yeah, because yeah, it's not it's not accurate if like kind of pro athletes a have a really high indicator. BMI and it's because it's all muscle weight. Would yeah, it get I, replaced with something else? I didn't see that, but it's one of those like it goes from like something that like sort of be used as like a rule of thumb who like oh no you're not in this threshold like yeah mark we need to talk you know well the whole the whole things of how much you're supposed to weigh at whatever height too also has to change like yeah. according to um according to my doctor i'm like 40 pounds overweight like i think i'm supposed Jeez. to weigh 144 or something like that you'd be a I stick also um with some of our friends having diabetes um having diabetes drugs being taken by people as like kind of a yes. like a white collar drug i mean there's there's yeah. there's way and ozempic shortages now um for people who actually need them for their diabetes mm -hmm. that could kill them for you know upper middle class people who are too busy to go on a diet and take a run you just don't want to stop eating like that portion of donuts right they're like but right. donuts are so good can <laughs> i just take forbidden a donut to get rid of the donut <laughs> forbidden donut does it come with sprinkles <laughs> yes <laughs> yes but the sprinkles are cursed so this this is why I, I go by this philosophy but it just says run all the miles eat all the tacos and i don't know of a shirt that says take an ozempic pill eat all the tacos <laughs> or just eat all the tacos or just eat all the tacos. i mean there's mm. probably that shirt i like tacos. there probably is yeah, there it's probably gonna be is. like Here's your statin, here's your Ozempic, and uh, we'll, we'll see you in a few months and see how things are going. Right. So you guys remember a few years ago, the whole thing, and maybe more than a few years ago, Ephedra? Like I that know. was like the new I diet fad? the name of it, yeah. And the, so people's like, oh yeah, I can, because essentially it was like raising your body temperature or something like that. Yeah, and, it was increasing your metabolic rate, yeah. It was, and it was increasing your metabolic rate. Uh, too bad it was also potentially causing heart attacks and, and yeah. whatnot, but that's another story. But I look great. <laughs> yeah, right. You do look great, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Right back Amazing. at you. Amazing. I, I never take. I never took a Fedra. I'll tell you, or a Fedrin, or whatever, I whatever it's called. I am on a reasonably aggressive diet since February. I've lost twenty five pounds, and congratulations, mostly, by the way. Mostly, um, not eating like an asshole. A, drinking a shitload of water. B, and not eating like an asshole. C, <laughs> I mean, like really, I mean, I walk three times a day, uh, three times a week, um, a little over a mile. But I'm trying. Um, uh, Oak and Pete and Mark remember when I tried running like five years ago and I blew my knee out and my ankle and I was a big old mess because I was a almost forty year old fat guy who tried to run and was like, nope, that doesn't work. Mm. And so I'm building back up to that. But I think the first step is to get to a weight that is more natural for my body, right? Um, I think, and you guys can probably relate, uh, turning 40 is hard. Um, I think it's the first time that, at least for me, like things like my testosterone has really felt affected. And like I feel old sometimes. And so I'm trying to combat that with just being healthier. 
And so the things where you learn when you're 20 and you can eat whatever the fuck you want, you can do whatever the fuck you want, um, it's over, right? You're old. I mean, you're not old, old, right? But you're not 20 anymore. Come on, John. This is getting depressing. (laughs) No, but I mean, seriously, though, there were many days in my mid-30s where I was like, well, fucking who cares? I can do whatever I want. Right. And um, I feel better now. No, I mean, and I never thought I'd be someone who'd really be promoting something like that, but it's the truth. Yeah, no, I mean, feeling comfortable in your own body at, 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 a, at a weight that you can handle, it it's, it's just makes so many things easier. Like you said, if you were to start trying like couch to 5K again or that that style, it'll be a lot easier when you're at a, at a lower weight for, for your body type, like, you know, something reasonable. Well, I also decided to start But it's not saying uh, it's impossible to do if you... Are overweight. Sorry, I did decide to start a semi-viral podcast and uh, join the PTA and work a bunch of four times. So I don't really it's have all, a ton of time. I don't have a ton of time to run, but I want to. It's all about finding something that works for you, though. And yeah, as long as you prioritize definitely, it, definitely. You guys want to hear some other things that have been uh, uh, discovered accidentally, though, or, or produced accidentally? Us, do you want to tell us, Mark? Uh, I think yes. the, the, the number one thing that most people uh, uh, can can know is penicillin. Of course, penicillin was discovered by accident. Uh, oh, the yeah. birth control pill, believe it or not, was kind of made by accident. Oh, wow. Uh, but there were some bad things, too, like LSD. Was that? Was it tested by accident? Was it? T- I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> over, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't quite uh, read yeah. the... I, I found two sources that saw that the birth control was discovered by accident. It's like, I didn't really read too much into it, mm. though. Uh, LSD <laughs> was discovered by accident, too, believe it or not. Whoops. That's interesting. What Angel does this dust. do? Whoa. Hey, how about our next topic? And so... As is my job generally, I'd like to talk about AI for a little while. Um, In 2016, an AI program called AlphaGo from Google's DeepMind AI Lab made history uh, by defeating a champion Go player. Uh, So Demis Hasibis, the co-founder and CEO of DeepMind, is now trying to use these techniques along with the new large language model techniques to create an AI called Gemini. Uh, that will be more capable than OpenAI's ChatGPT. Uh, AlphaGo is based on something called reinforcement learning, uh, in which software learns to take on tough problems that require choosing by making repeated attempts and receiving feedback on its performance. And so this is going to push us uh, to assist in the next big step in large language models, which will be uh, performing more actual tasks. Um, for me, at least, with Bard being uh, Google's other pro- uh, AI product, Bard being notably worse than ChatGPT, do you think this is Google's next attempt to break through in this brand new market? And what do we think the next step uh, for AI and large language models will be? Google's certainly trying, aren't they? They really are. <laughs> so I don't think the uh, actual reinforcement learning is going to be the the avenue that gets like the the big hits, right? That's, that's targeting like a, a specific problem. And it's just iteratively working through to optimize that problem, which can be yes. good. I mean, that, and right? that's why it was really for, good at Go. Right. For a yeah. specific and problem, it, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And all, all it's learning how to do is kill you at Go. Right. Can it figure out, like, say, your traffic control? Like, know really well how to direct all the, the airplanes and stuff. Maybe that's you can something fa- You can fail less at traffic control than you can at Go. <laughs> right, 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 right. Let's fail. But the generative learning um, is huge. Like everything's changing. You know, mm-hmm. way we started, like our life, 
Uh, it, it was only what, like 30, 40 years of color television before we got there? Mm-hmm. Not even? Not even. It wasn't that it was long. 20 years of color tele- TV before we were born. Yeah. So you figure we had pocket computers. Now our pocket computers are going to be able to do like all sorts of figuring out for us. Like, the world's going to be a very different place. Yeah. I think so too. It already is like compared to every 10 years, it just seems like a, almost a different place. I mean, if we think about large language models, ChatGPT being a really good example as um, learning kind of the way we do. And the reason why they're so effective is because they literally learn by learning. And then we take something like reinforcement learning and maybe not specifically the AlphaGo model, right? Cause you can't fail in like real life, like production learning, right? But if you take something like the reinforcement model and you kind of think about it in a human aspect, that's also what we do. And so we're building um, algorithms that are using um, high-powered computers. I mean, like, right, super comp- We all started in a world where there were no computers. And then our computers now in our pockets are more powerful than the computers we had when we were 5 and when we were 10. I mean, when we were 18, like, they're better. Um, so you take a supercomputer that can now learn like a human. And I mean, how far away iteratively are we are from an actual cyborg or like an actual AI that can move around and make decisions in the world, I guess, is my question. I'll be back. Oh, for a very long time. Yes. <laughs> I don't think so. I really don't think we are. So for the longest time, until probably two, three years ago, Turing test is our benchmark. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. 20 years ago, when we graduated... Like that, that was the benchmark of like, well, is it a human or, you know, is it just a computer program? Well, it already got feeded. So then that's why we're going towards the, the more like, is it sentient? You know, like when will it actually be sentient and be able to do things? The other avenue I wanted to go with on this, John, was when's the last time you heard about quantum computing? Because that was the big thing. Right. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing up until like a year ago. You'd hear about that. Like people were spending lots of money on really fancy computers. Then that's been pretty quiet. Uh, I was going to say uh, when I was working at MTech, and it's it is a few years before that, but we were really getting into a lot of that stuff too. Um, actually, I think when we were at Brown University um, interviewing um, a professor there uh, for another project, uh, we did happen to go down and see like a quantum computer that they were building and testing. It was really cool. And uh, so like, it it was a big thing that we were looking into at that point. And I'm trying to remember the name of the company that it wasn't like a fully quantum computer. It was just very specific like one thing, but we've gone from at that point, you know, the best computers from like IBM, Google and stuff were like barely even able to get three to four qubits or like processing that at, at one time. But now you're, you're getting to like, probably orders of magnitude past that as of a few years ago, but you're right. I haven't outside of a couple buzz headlines here or there. We haven't really heard that much. The reason why I mention it is because we went from like a large focus on what's our maximum throughput that we can do. Right. To now it's how can we quickly get data, use it effectively. And it's kind of like a divergent path in computer mm-hmm. science as big of a problem as physically getting these uh, computers built that could process the data. It was coming up with the correct algorithms to feed the things. Yeah. I think the focus uh, though is 
a lot a lot of people have been focused on AI now. So I that's uh, maybe I mean we're still working on it, but the, just the focus isn't quite on it, and the headlines aren't, aren't around. Well, the it focus in tech like it always has been is where you're going to make the most money. And the reason like mm. microelectronics and microprocessors and every, all of that has really come like literally it feels like a hundred years of progress in the last 20, but in a, a lot of progress in, and the cell phone arena specifically is because it's very, yeah. very profitable. Absolutely. And so um, AI um, in the scope of replacing the search engine and you, you could see how quickly Google moved when Microsoft started to back um, uh, ChatGPT and OpenAI is, is really iterative of what they're looking for. So they're looking to recreate the search engine in a way where you as a human can ask something, conversational questions to get your answers. And it doesn't give you 20 examples, right? Because nobody wants to read anymore. It gives you, it says, this is the answer. And you as a human, if it's close, you're like, okay, that's the answer. I don't know if you guys experience this, but one of the the big things that I notice, especially speaking with parents or uh, or even like a lot of friends that might not have gone to the same technical school, you guys all went to the same school with me, so yep. you're kind of in the same cohort. But when I sit down to Google something, I can effectively use Google. But if my mother-in-law is trying to Google something. She can't necessarily get that answer. That's right. It's just a matter of her asking like the correct question. And it's mm-hmm. things like um, generative AI, like ChatGPT, where mm-hmm. they can basically have a conversation with it, and mm-hmm. drill down to what their actual question is. Yep. I think, I think is where they're going to get a lot of market share of people getting really excited. I think about. so too. That's an excellent mm-hmm. point. Yeah, that is, that is good. Yeah. The, Microsoft investment in OpenAI and ChatGPT is literally for their own interests. And it's to put in Bing, which has already happened. Um, the Bing preview is really kind of cool. Um, you can tell it to be creative. You can tell it to be very factual, but you can talk to it. Their um, investment in um, art generation, which is also built into the Bing um, tool. Um, and as it's a POS. Far as it, the, the art generation is terrible. It's garbage. But, yeah. <laughs> but they're going to put it into. Um, into Word and Excel, they're going to put it into literally everything they own because um, they are expecting, and they're probably right, that people don't want to write their own documents, they don't want to do their own searches, and they're just trying to really integrate that into a search engine, which they know is very profitable, right? Well, let's go the next step there. So Microsoft's plan with Copilot is really going to take advantage of that. And all the scuttle I'm hearing as far as that integration into healthcare is going to be ridiculous. New York state has um, New York state is not sure what they want to do about co-pilot and um, uh, large language model um, AIs in general. And so they have just literally put the kibosh on um, chat GPT um, cross the board and just we're doing DNS blocks on all of them. We're just saying, no, not right now. Interesting. No, no, but that's cool. They'll hang out. They'll watch some other states do it. That's what they're going to do. Know, mm-hmm. They don't want to be on the bleeding edge. I, I respect that. Um, but somebody's going to be. I know people who are in marketing who are already using um, ChatGPT full-time as their response to literally all of their marketing posts and professionally marketing posts, right? Because you can do really cool things like you can tell it. You're, you can say, this is our writing style, right? Like this. You can say, 
write something with four idioms with uh, some funny sentences and make sure you mention X, Y, and Z. And then it writes it and you want to change it. You say, change it. You say, make the last paragraph a little longer, add about 100 words, and I think we're good. And it'll do that too. I mean, it's so, so efficient and so great for everyone but content creators because I think content creators are in a lot of trouble. Yeah. It, you know, if you figure chat GPT is basically an unpaid intern for you. That's can right. Turn your work around super yeah. fast in those cases. It's like That's a peak. It's like a <laughs> I measure movies in the amount of peats that are, made, are, are are paid to make it. Luckily, in my industry right now, for visual effects, it's still kind of a tool and sometimes a dumb one. Well, Dolly <laughs> is very can, bad at art. But very, very bad. Said, so you're good for a little while. Kind of. I mean, that said, um, it is really good at producing awesome looking concept art very quickly. So that's actually it is starting to creep into the you know, concept artist profession and kicking some people out of that. So it, it is, it is happening. It's just, it's going to be sad. We, yeah. Right. Like you, no, I know. Oh yeah. You know, like they, you can we're get, still, you know, the original panels of Spider-Man blah. And you know, like that's super mm-hmm. exciting in the future. Right. That's not going to be a thing. No. And uh, right now, at least for what I do, right. For compositing and, and CG integration and stuff like that, it's still at this point, barely a tool, but it's, every new version of nuke that comes out it's like hey here's some new ai tool sets that are integrating and every time it does more automatically so it's like okay so you always have to kind of your skill set has to stay above that and it's it will get more and more challenging i think you're right i just saw a um, a twitter post of four pictures of evan rachel wood and um only one of them was real and so the challenge of the meme was to find which one was real and so i explained it to melanie um Art generation is still very terrible at text, and so all the text in the background was blurry and nonsensical. Um, but there was only one with really bad hair, and really, it was very hard. She got it wrong. Everybody I show got it wrong. So a parallel that I heard on uh, another lesser podcast, I would say. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> yes. Thank you. We're talking about uh, like a music artist that basically made an engine of their yep. voice and put it out there and said like, hey if you actually make a song, like I get a cut from it, but you can use me. In that's your amazing. No, we, hey, talk, that's... we talked about something, like, uh, something very similar. Like uh, Drake made a whole album. When Drake. Yeah. Yeah. And they made, a, uh, they made a new, uh, a new Beatles track. Mm. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. The Beatles. You can't tell. Exactly. If, but that feels wrong. It does. Doesn't it? it yeah. Does. I know. yeah it does. it's, but it but doesn't it's also like tell that. you how formulaic the music industry is. All that too. Yeah. It, but it's stuff like that where your your content will eventually be able to get created and you're not going to be able to see a difference. Uh, there's there's yeah. a difference between this and, you know, like the spoofing like Rogan, you know, like right. talking about stuff. <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to get there. And, I, and oh, it's, it's coming. one of it's one of those very um, in the cards, very natural progressions of technology. It's I think coming. I think we're there already, honestly. Next topic. So last week, Instant Replay overturned a close play at the plate that would have had the Texas Rangers preserve a tie with the Chicago White Sox. The replay official ruled that the catcher for the Rangers was illegally blocking the plate and the path of the runner, therefore allowed the runner to score. Now, the White Sox ultimately won the game by that one run. 
Now, many would argue, including myself, that the catcher was not blocking the plate, but the ruling in New York was official and came from a human being. So, everyone, was the controversial loss for the Rangers an argument for robot umpires? I mean, I think robot umpires are coming. And clearly coming to a point where um, the fact that they're using them, the fact that they're good. Um, I guess the question on robot umpires is, are they going to be making calls like that? Well, that's probably that's probably not going to be you know, that tomorrow. Functionally. Right. That's probably not going to be tomorrow. But the more sophisticated AI and robots get, it could lead to that, right? Because essentially, what are yeah. what are what are uh, safe and out calls? I mean, it's really just a bunch of zeros and ones, right? It's like either you, you this happened or, or it didn't. A a baseline call is very subjective, mm-hmm. and even the like the function like the functional technology of the ability of someone who is well, some camera, I guess, or some cyborg that is standing on the third base line being able to call it out at home seems very difficult, right? Does it it's need not. to be that? It's just going to have a big camera with a lot of pixels, and it's going to be like, that guy imposed on the the line by two pixels. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. That's what it comes down to, right? Sure. It could even be something as simple as like a a chip and a baseball that knows exactly where it is to the millimeter and, you know. Chips and baseballs and a bunch of cameras, yep. I think smart devices, smart balls. Um, smart uniforms, I think we're a lot closer to that than we are to, say, some robot making a decision, right? It's happening in the Mark NFL, Balls right? It's going to destroy a family in Costa Rica making all of the major league balls. Can we, That is terrible. <laughs> Side yeah. note, can, can, can we name the episode Smart Balls? Because that's amazing. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yes. <laughs> I think that's great. Really, if you think about it, um, I, that technology exists right now. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just like gyro, gyro technology and near field technology and the fact that a ball could tell today if it was in, con- in some sort of radius around a player. Right? Sure. I mean. Just with near field technology, which is a completely common technology right now. Yeah, I'm actually shocked that you don't have things like that. And maybe it's just because it would be too anal retentive. But like in hockey, well, like the offsides line, like why isn't there like some kind of laser like where they know when a skate crosses that threshold with a puck mm-hmm. or not, you know? I mean, they totally could. They they could. and Yeah, that doesn't even sound like science fiction, honestly, to me. No, we have the we have all the tech for that. Like when you do road races, right? Every every little bib for like a 10,000, like the boy, I run the Boilermaker every couple of years the 16,000 entrants they know exactly to like the hundredth of a second which is i mean it's not really that precise but like you know you have a chip time you have a chip in your bib and it's it's super simple you walk over this threshold and it knows the split second you start to finish that race like why couldn't you just implement that on a broader scale i'm I sure mean, they have already in certain certain sports or I certain think fields i think it's more people accepting it you know, yeah. like yeah that's no definitely a part of it yeah, you got to remember, Joe cracking the Bud Light, you know, like watching, it's going to be like, damn robots. Yeah. <laughs> what did the microchip say? <laughs> well, there's also a cost associated with it, too. Like, what's the cost of a baseball? Let's say it's a cost a dollar to make a baseball. Now, if you're going to add on some some additional technology right. and maybe like like. 30 years down the road, it's going to be a lot less, but now like $10 you're going to, you're going to, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and considering, and you think of the number of baseballs that go through a major league baseball game. 
Like I, I thought I heard it was something like 108 baseballs on was average, and which seemed a little low to me. Mm. Um, but so th- think about that: 100 baseballs times however many 162 games. I just looked it up because I thought that it related. Um, the average salary for an MLB umpire um, last year was $300,000. $300,000. Really? That seems yeah. low. Apparently. And so... I mean, that's uh, still pretty good. Every game has four? Four. Every game has four. Um, and let's just say every park has a set of four. What is there? 32 teams? Uh, 30 teams. 30 teams. So 30 times four is uh, 120 well, ounce times $300,000 a year. 120 times 300,000. So that's a lot of baseballs, even at $20 a baseball mark. <laughs> a lot of baseballs. Yeah. I wish I could do the math right, right up. But well, I mean, you still, you, you still, you have to pay for the robots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you have to pay for someone to maintain the robots, right? Yeah. The initial equipment investment is high, but right. It, it and it does even out over time as you're. Oh. You're not just buying like this is going to be like a Tesla robot where you're, yeah, yeah that's like true. A, a monthly fee kind of deal. I'm, I'm actually right, pretty sure yeah, Elon Musk is right, working robots. On that. Robots as a service. Yep. Okay. Now to tie this back into the last topic, what happens when these robot umpires become sentient and then they start demanding their salaries themselves? And then, <laughs> and, and then they go find dynamic. their other robot friends at Boston Dynamics and take off and their gun arms take, and then kill all the players. Right. Yeah. And Sorry. this is my is my um crazy person fear right that the robots that boston diamond next are building that are mixing with their open ai counterparts that make their own decisions and solve their own problems by themselves that also have weapons have facial recognition and access to the internet mm. skynet <laughs> we just built skynet you guys it's done we built it uh, dun, 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 dun. Final topic, fight. The fight against uh, gambling and football continues this Mm offseason. And so um, a handful of players, including Colts cornerback Isaiah Rogers. um, And actually, uh, since I wrote this question, um, three players were suspended and they received season long suspensions uh, for for violating the NFL's gambling policies. Mm -hmm. There are now, and I looked up this, which I thought was interesting, six key rules of the policy related to gambling. And these six rules are don't bet on the NFL, obvious. Uh, don't gamble at yeah. your team's facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Also obvious. Uh, don't let someone bet for you. Don't share team inside information. Uh, don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season and don't play daily fantasy football. And so um, why do we think the NFL suddenly cares so much about sports gambling? Uh, is this related to the sudden rise in legal online gambling options? And how can they be sure to stop everyone? I mean, it's the whole integrity of the game. Uh, debate right they they yeah. want to make sure the games are fair uh but you're i mean they're getting paid by these companies also uh they're getting sponsored and i mean it's 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 total hypocrisy of the nfl isn't it like i mean it's pretty it, funny actually yeah it's kind of funny and but now you haven't had a these any big name superstars you haven't had like the the 30 million dollar quarterbacks danny dimes is certainly not get, going to use this because he's making bank right mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's the guys that that are kind of making like the league minimum and they want to make a little bit more money now the this here's what i've been thinking about how does the nfl nab these people right how do they know are they tied into the players phones Ooh, i don't know i think you're or, they do they do seem to have an awfully tight control or over if day if day. there is uh 
if I mean, I'm sure they have some of the uh, tie-ins. If they're using wireless at the team facilities, mm. you can see what they're looking up on the on the uh, on the network, right? Even the league minimum players are rich men, right? Rich men with a lot of people that rich. work for them. I mean, compared to us, I, yeah, I'd be super happy <laughs> yeah, if I made yeah, yeah. one take league minimum a million dollars. I'd be happy if I made a million dollars a year. Jesus you'd also, Christ! You'd also need an entourage of like twelve people just Hell to yeah. carry your stuff so, right. and make Keep my paying. legal sports gambling bets for me, guys. So I've learned that I either need to be an umpire or the new thing that I'm thinking is showing players how to use a VPN on their phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. that's good for like 150 grand a year. Like just I think cheap. So, yeah. Like I will oh, at least. Oh, at least. Oh no, no, you're, you're, yeah, yeah you're, you're, you need to think a little higher, Oak, for that one. I was I mean, thinking multiple people, right? <laughs> oh, like, oh, oh yeah. per person, 150 million per person. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Seems good. I, like I mean, it. and I think the guys who are making actually, more money that's just aren't, a really getting, good idea. Aren't, <laughs> just aren't yeah. getting caught, right? I mean, because why? Oh, absolutely. Why wouldn't you gamble? on a thing that you had a decision, like a, a factual decision-making part in it. I think it comes back to the fact, too, that like the players are very aware of fantasy football, like incredibly aware of Ooh, it. That was, a, it. that was a rule now, too. You can't play mm-hmm. fantasy football anymore. So you can't mention it in your, in your uh, post-game uh, comments anymore, either, because, you know, you might get fined for that. They love to mention it. They like, love oh, to mention I'm sorry it. about the fantasy players, the, you know, because, uh, you know, so-and-so just didn't play the last whole quarter of the game. It, and it feels fixed sometimes. It really does. All it takes, though, is like for some linebacker, right, to like, oh, man, I got like uh, such and such running back on, on the other on the team I'm playing. So I'm just not going to tackle him all day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> win my well, fantasy and it's, match. it's even worse right? than that. that it's that's, like, what well, that's what they think it, they're trying to prevent, at least. I don't know if, if that's you're, really if you're betting for uh, if you're betting against your team. Like, that's what they want to prevent. Of course. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm just not going to try because I'm going to yeah. win a million dollars if I lose this game. Well, and but it's a again, situation right. of insider trading. I mean, it's a commodity with insider knowledge. If you know that Mahomes is actually secretly hurt. And, like, the funny thing about football is they don't share actual injury information because, you know, teams no. are literally going to be out to hurt other it's people. It's still a privacy you know, issue, too. Right. But you know. You know he's hurt. You know he's playing two quarters. Like, you just know yeah. it. And, you know... You make $5 million a year, so you about $2 million on a team like, you know, the Browns are playing the, the, the Chiefs. But you know the Chiefs are going to lose because they don't need to win. They're going to throw the game because Mahomes is hurt. Like, you know all this information. You shouldn't be yeah. allowed to bet on that game, but you yeah, are. Yeah, now, are these restrictions applicable to staff, coaches, like... Everybody. GM, everybody. owner, like... Mm-hmm. Is it to the owners, though? Well, like the commissioner, let's like be honest, you know, they're they're only yeah. worried about the players. <laughs> well, what's interesting too, yeah, and, and Mark, you did mention this, but this round of actually four players that got suspended, um, all various nobodies, mm-hmm. and so it's like except for the entire in, wide receiver group of the Detroit Lions, except for the entire wide receiver group. But the, I mean, they're also well, still the Jameson Williams was was probably the only big name, and he's still okay. he on a, he's on a rookie contract. I mean, right, Isaiah Rogers, Rashad Berry. Demetrius Taylor and some guy named Nicholas Petit Farley. Ooh, all guys with weird ass <laughs> names that I've never heard of. I mean, I've heard of Isaiah Rogers, and but that's only because you've looked them up. Like if you if this never came up, you probably would never heard of Isaiah what? Rogers, right? Mm. So, what better way to look like you're enforcing a policy than suspending people who don't matter? Sorry, guys. Yeah. 
the NHL again, does again. Those are the ones that are going to uh, do it because Jalen Hurts doesn't have to do it. Jalen Hurts doesn't have to gamble. Patrick Mahomes yeah. doesn't have to gamble. Danny Dimes no. doesn't have to gamble. That's true. So you just said Danny Dimes the same sentence as Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Just fun. He's making work. the same amount of money as them. Yeah, work that around in your head. He's you making know. the same amount of money as them. I just feel like it's also a degree of people being a little bit more street smart with this stuff. Yeah. Like you hear all the stories about like Jordan, like betting with janitors and stuff, like oh, before absolutely. and after oh, games yeah, on yeah. stuff. Not on the game, but like just on stupid stuff. You know, like yeah. everybody's competitive, like yeah. type A in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's more prevalent than just like poor guys. Right. Oh, you're absolutely right, Oak. There's a lot of it going on, like the, the those side hustles and like how do you the the, the third rule I th- uh, I think John you mentioned was like you're not allowed to have someone else bet for you. How the hell do you enforce that? Yeah, that. I mean, you, I mean, you get a couple degrees separation. How is that? Yeah, that's that's but the before kind of that whole where... came up. But yeah, before that whole came out, I was like, the all right, you guys don't want to get caught gambling. Get someone else to do it for you. That was before these all the, these rules came out, though. I mean, they're trying <laughs> to cover their bases. They're trying to say we are we the NFL are against sports um, insider gambling. Sometimes you and make really, up rules before you can enforce them, though. That's right. Yeah, yeah, right. that's that's right. true. Let's get the and rule right. out there, then we'll try they to figure to out like. And the perfect do. example of sports gambling forever is Pete Rose, one of the Pete best Rose. hitters yeah. in the history of baseball, isn't in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he gambled and he got caught. Yeah. So then the question is. I mean, sports has been, I mean, sports gambling has been a thing for 60 years. Like, how many players have gambled? Probably I mean, a lot of them. Well, money. the Black Sox I'd, scandal too, right? Right, yeah. 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 I mean, way more than 60 years, but uh, right. In modern, modern league. Let's we'll just say modern sports with modern television. Yeah, you know, as, as long as that's been going sports. on, there's been, there's been betting. Gambling with, has always been synonymous league, with yeah. sports, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Boxing. Italian Boxing. from I New mean, York. Yeah, mm. there you go. There you right. go. Now it's so prevalent and it's so easy online. I made a lot of really great prop bets this past Super Bowl and I did it from a phone and it was super fun. Nice. What was your what was your favorite? I don't remember. I didn't okay. win any of them. Oh, you didn't win any of them? <laughs> All right. Don't listen to John on prop bets. So that has been our 10 topics. We would like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Thank you, Oak. Thanks, Oak. Thank you, Oak. Yeah. Please follow or like us on our socials uh, at IfTheseBallsPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our website is www.IfTheseBallsCouldTalkPod.com where you can see our sports news of the day, our AI story hour, or you can talk to us through Discord. This is Mark Pesci, and for my partner John Campania and producer Pete Steffen, that's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk. Bye, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. If these balls-